everyone. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I'm Kai Rizdoff. Thursday to November is where we have landed. You know, it's wild to think that this time next year, <laughs> it's going to be election yes. Oh, my day. God. Oh, my God. I can't even believe you're going there. Holy cow. I, I can't help it. This is where my brain lives, like, unfortunately, way oh too much Lord. of the time. But today, in the present, right now, we are going to actually focus on this week and listen back to some big news stories of the week via audio clips. we got a couple lined up for for you today. The first one comes from a story that I did earlier this week when President Biden rolled out his executive order on artificial intelligence. And I interviewed Meredith Broussard, who's a data journalism professor at NYU and just put out a new book on artificial intelligence. And here's what she had to say. So we're at a really interesting point with tech regulation because people have uh, have imagined for a long time that keeping themselves safe from big tech was their individual responsibility. But tech is so ubiquitous now that individual effort is no longer enough. We really need uh, policy-level interventions. You know, there's so many similarities between this and climate change, where for so long the narrative has been recycle, reduce your own waste and do Mm -hmm. all these different things to fix the problem that is a systemic issue. And with AI, that is sort of what this executive order is arguing that it plans to do. You know, that they're planning to take this whole of government approach to um, trying to kind of catch up with AI by, you know, adding some additional regulations onto companies, which they will inevitably get sued over. But as I said, you know, in the story that I did, I think it's super interesting that they're really going after government contracting as well Mm -hmm. and saying that they're going to be adding some guidelines uh, when it comes to government contracting, which is, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars every year, which is going to make a big difference. I also do wonder, just on that whole of government thing, we don't quite have a whole of government. We have the executive branch, which is large and sprawling and has lots of agencies, but we don't have Congress and the law yet. And I think the interesting thing is going to be to see how Congress does with that, right? But that's just the thing. I think they're not. And I think everything... (laughs) (laughs) We have switched roles. We have switched roles. Coming to the dark reality. Um, Given what Congress is right now, we know we're not going to get meaningful AI regulation out of them anytime soon. I mean, look at the fact that, you know, Amy Klobuchar and others in the Senate have been trying Mm to, you know, pass laws to regulate companies like Amazon and Google and all these big tech firms for years. And it's just not gaining any traction. And the lobbying is intense and there's so many different issues at hand. But through the executive agencies, you know, and we've talked about this before, the risks and perils and also the benefits of, you know, lawmaking via regulation. It's a bit faster, but Mm -hmm. very subject to litigation and can be easily undone by the next administration. Mm -hmm. And so anything the Biden administration does in this regard can be undone. Yeah. Uh, should we give a nod here to what happened over in the UK? And I and I knew yes, about it yes, really only <laughs> because I, I got an invitation this week from uh, His Majesty's Consul General in Los Angeles, inviting me to some big to do at the Consul General's residence here in L.A. 
uh, the British Consul General's residence. I know. I couldn't go because I didn't want to. Um, (laughs) Celebrating the British government's move into AI safety research, which I mentioned only because Rishi Sunak, the prime minister of the UK, invited a whole bunch of people, world leaders and Elon Musk, in a conversation (laughs) with Rishi Sunak. I think it was on Twitter. Um... Uh, to to talk about global cooperation on AI safety research. And a lot of countries, excuse me, a lot of countries did. China agreed. Uh, Vice President Harris was there. So, you know, globally things are happening too. And we should just point that out. Yeah. Yeah, I think the... The fear, the, the fear of not doing anything is great enough to spur action. Right. Because this right. is moving uh, very right. quickly. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. next. Again, we look at overall retail spending. Just look at the top line. You say... Right, a really healthy consumer, and they are spending. But even in food and beverage categories, over the last few quarters, the units, the number of items they're buying, has been declining. So they're even tightening up their spending in those categories. So that was Brian Cornell. He's the CEO of a company you might have heard of called Target. He was talking to CNBC. Target. Target. Tar- oh, stop it. I thought that, that's like <laughs> so like late 90s, early aughts. Oh, my Lord. For real? Did you just do that? <laughs> Target. Oh, God. Anyway, so back, back here in the real world, um, he was on CNBC talking about uh, the company and where it's seeing things. Here's why it matters. Target, obviously, a huge consumer shopping destination. They're seeing declines in retail spending on discretionary items, toys and apparel. Seven consecutive quarters of that. That is not great. As you know, consumer spending drives this economy. Consumers are a little cranky, you know, so there's a lot going on in this consumer economy, even though, by the way, the economy is doing great. Jay Powell said so the other day. Too great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is something that's been predicted for a while. Like, how long will the American consumer hold out in the midst of, you know, everything? And I feel like people have been predicting the pullback for quite a while now. So it'll be interesting if this is the season where it actually happens. Right. Exactly. All right, next clip. Let's hear it. If you ask me another question, do I think he's going to jail? Yes, I think he's going to jail. I think it's highly unlikely he doesn't go to jail. I just think the circumstances are just, it's a shame to ignore how interesting the circumstances are. Hmm. All right, well, that was author Michael Lewis talking about Sam Bankman-Fried with Fareed Zakaria on CNN. Uh, they were talking about Lewis's new book, uh, Going Infinite, which is about SBF. And, you know, at this very moment, Jury is deliberating over his trial. The closing arguments ended yesterday, and the jury is going to decide if uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is guilty of fraud and conspiracy charges. You know, during the trial, uh, he actually testified on his own behalf, which many Mm -hmm. legal experts say was not a good risk worth taking. But it's, you know, this is a trial of crypto, even though the crypto industry wishes it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, oh, God. So I feel bad about saying this, but I don't have a lot of appetite for Sam Bankman-Fried stories anymore. I'm like, yeah, man, it's kind of like, you know, I think crypto, we've we've hit peak crypto. And until actually my mom can use it to buy a cup of coffee at the diner near where she lives, uh, you know, it's a speculative it's instrument. until and if. Right. And if, right. Yes, if, right, because it is not yet uh, uh, determined, as it were, that this is going to work as actual money. Um, it, it's interesting in the abstract and, and look, People lost money, but the people who invest in crypto at this scale, one cannot feel sorry for them. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope Michael Lewis I mean, I, books, but man, I'm done with this story. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will, yeah. Yeah, he always does. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, the, the the lack of sympathy. I think from for the most part, that's true. I do think there are some people who genuinely got roped yeah, into absolutely. the narrative absolutely. and the scam. And I do totally. feel sorry for some of those folks. <clears throat> same, 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 same. Next one. Here we yeah. go. Our country is being challenged on multiple fronts across the globe. We literally have American troops under attack in the Middle East. As a member of the Armed Services Committee, as a U.S. Marine Corps colonel, I know, we all know here in the Senate, America needs to have our best players, most combat-capable leaders on the field. And right now, that's not happening. So that uh, was uh, the Senate of the United States last night. It was Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan confronting my favorite senator, the senior senator from the great state of Alabama, Tommy Tuberville, about Tuberville's holds on uh, all of those military promotions that we have spoken of many, many a time. Here's why it matters, what happened last night. Number one, it's members of Tuberville's own party, the Republican Party, going after him on the floor as he continued one by one to object. And in the Senate, one senator can hold up anything just by objecting to 60 consecutive uh, nomination requests in a row from Sullivan of Alaska, Joni Ernst from um, Iowa, who is also a veteran like Sullivan, um, and from Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Those three were spitting mad. It was amazing to watch clips of that on C-SPAN yesterday and this morning. Tuberville just stood up every time and clearly did not give a good gosh darn about what uh, it means for military readiness, what it means for these people's careers, what it means for the fact that none of these people that Tuberville is objecting to have any say over or can influence the Pentagon policy on reproductive health that he is objecting to. It's amazing. So where it stands now is that in about 10 days, if Chuck Schumer sort of starts the machinations now, uh, they're going to try to do uh, a change to a Senate standing rule, standing order rather, sorry, because uh, that's different in the Senate. Rules are different. Um, that would let them advance it with 60, advance these nominations with 60 votes. So let's hope that happens and we can be done with, with talking about Tommy Tuberville because it just makes me crazy. Crazy. I really wonder if he's going to face any consequences in his district for that when re-election time comes up. Like, I don't, I don't know. Will people remember? Will people care? I mean... I, I'm imagining all the pack ads and, and his opponent running ads about all of this and, and what he did for military readiness and all this stuff. I mean, but will people actually remember and care? Um, right. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <sighs> OK. Well, that is it so for go. today. Yes. One more done. thing, though, before um, we go. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, sorry. No, you go ahead. You do the tag and then I'll do the next thing. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Trained so we are radio be- professionals, people. That's what we are. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> we will get it together. Uh, tomorrow is Economics on Tap, which is our weekly happy hour. We're going to have a YouTube live stream at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific, where you can join us for news, some drinks, and a game if you want to know what at least I'm drinking. I don't know what Kai did it. It should be in the back end of our newsletter, which you can subscribe to online. So do that. One more thing before we go. We uh, said we would and we will, since you guys did so amazing in our recent uh, membership drive, 
We're going to do uh, some virtual trivia on Thursday, November the 9th, 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock uh, back east. If you're a Marketplace investor, check your email. We will send out or did send out another invitation today to you. So that's in your inbox. Yes. And if you're not yet an investor, it just takes a donation of $5 or more to Marketplace, and then you will be one. And you can go to marketplace.org slash smart to do that. You'll see a link to register for the trivia night in your confirmation email after you donate. And really, we do appreciate you listening and giving what you can. And we hope that you'll join us for a few rounds of fun trivia. Today's episode of Make Me Smart was produced by Courtney Berg, Seeker with assistance from H. Conley, audio engineering by Drew Jostat. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Our intern is Neela Farshabandi. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.